Today I'm joined by Kyle, uh, Kyle Farrick. Uh, Kyle's a third year industrial oh, design? No, second year. Second year industrial design at OCAD. Um, for those of you who don't know who Kyle is, uh, let's have Kyle give a little bit of background uh, on who you are. I think your story is quite interesting. I think you got a lot of going for you even before uh, you came to OCAD. So why don't you shed a bit of light uh, on that? All right, well, I guess uh, my name is Kyle, I'm 33 years old, and I decided to come back to school after taking a pretty long break. Um, the last career that I had before I was um, back at, before I came back to school was a flight attendant. I did that for uh, roughly five, yeah, five and a half years. Um, but then during that time, I realized that this wasn't uh, anywhere close to something being like a passion of mine. And I decided to sell all my things, resign from my job, and chase a dream. Wow, well, that's quite the decision. I mean, I mean, right there, like, how, how did you, why did you decide to sell everything and then chase this dream? Or why did you have to sell everything? Well, because I couldn't afford coming to school, you know? Right. It's, uh, I guess, because it's, I've been out of my parents' house for a long time. Um, so even though I, I do have uh, okay to good relationship with my parents, um, I don't have the financial support that typically kids coming out of high school get to keep with their parents. Yeah. So me being able to afford school, um, it, it's on me, you know? Yeah. And so they help as best as they can, but uh, it's, it's not enough to be able to afford, especially as an international student, um, which is uh, significantly more expensive than domestic students pay. Yeah. So um, I had to find a way to to try to be able to afford school, which I'm still struggling with. Um, but I, I I try not to think about the things that might be might hold me back from trying to accomplish my dreams. I try to figure out a way how to get it done. That's something I feel that it's not that easy to do is to choose whether to to uh, have those barriers hold you back or whether to have them uh, totally totally be the, the stepping stone to your success so how, how do you how do you think that you kind of channel that energy to use that to push you forward rather than hold you down well luckily I had a mentor of my own where um, Edson, he's a he's a really great guy, and he came from a very hard lifestyle himself. So he himself didn't have a mentor, but I guess life was his his mentor because yeah. he he really struggled uh, throughout his life trying to get by, and I think him just having to keep overcoming hardship after hardship just to keep pushing along. It was very inspiring to see him do something like that. And we've been friends for a long time. So it, was a, it wasn't an intentional mentorship, mm -hmm. but it's just because we were friends for, I guess, over 14 years um, and seeing him accomplish goal after goal after goal while I was there making excuses after excuses as to why I couldn't do things. Mm -hmm. um, seen it enough times, it was just, it, it became very inspiring. Kind of ripped off on me. Yeah, it did. Yeah, it did. And I guess that's why they, they like, um, a lot of people do talk about the company that you keep. Right. And so, yeah. um, 
it, it does hold true in the situation. Yeah, I think I think it definitely does. I've seen it in myself and my friends all around that it really does affect you, like the company that you keep. Um, I think another question that I had was, uh, so Kyle actually asked to be on the podcast. He saw the the my announcement that the first podcast would be coming out, and he was like, "Hey, Russell, I, I want to get on this podcast. Um, let's meet up. Let's do it." And I'm like, "Okay, <laughs> sure." Like, Let's go for it, right? So, I mean, no one else has asked to be on it, um, partly because it's still very young. Well, yeah, but, but why did you ask? Like, I think that's a little significant, knowing who you are, given your background, a little bit about who you are. I think that's that's a little significant. Do you want to tell us why you? Uh, well, well, first of all, I think um, I think uh, I really look up to you in general, and I, I I believe in in who you are and the things that you're you're doing in your life right now. And working with you with the grind for the last, uh, well, for those who don't know, the grind is OCAD's entrepreneurship um, student group, and Russell, who just won student uh, group leader of the of the year. Congratulations, Russell. Flatter me. <laughs> um, you know, like just just see him um, do and accomplish all the things that he's doing. Like, I wanna I wanna help contribute to his uh, his goals and his ambitions. And I feel like I do have a lot to say, and uh, like with my life experiences. And one of the things that I enjoy is mentoring people. And um, this is just a, another way that I get, I feel like I can get to mentor people. That means a lot, by the way. Yeah, this, I guess this is kind of, it's, it's kind of related to my goals for this podcast, too, I guess. It's not. I didn't look at this as a way to mentor others, but um, I mean, in a way, just sharing our own experiences is like your friend rubbing off on you. You're right. I you're right. Kind of, well, I hope this kind of thing rubs off on someone who's listening. Really, I, I think I think actually that's the that's the best way in general to mentor people. It's it's less about telling them what to do and, yeah. and more about just living your best life. Like yeah, just sharing. Like, like through through your own efforts, mm-hmm. um, I think is the is the way to have. The single best way to have impact on people. For sure, for sure. Yeah, I, I could definitely speak to that. That's uh, that's something that's happened between like my roommates and I. Like we've been together for about three years now, and so like I can see that we've all changed a bit and kind of picked up on stuff that we each have. So that's like really nice to have. Because yeah, even like when I'm when I'm listening to to people speak. And um, I guess it was uh, Gary Vaynerchuk who who really pushed this idea, and it, it made so much sense. He's like, because he hates being called um, a guru, a guru, and, yeah. a, and a what do you call this thing? Like a, a inspirational speaker. Yeah, he hates it yeah. because there are a lot of inspirational speakers right now that they made their success from being able to just speak. Yeah. It, it's not like if they were going after another dream or another goal. Yeah. It's like they're just good at speaking, so they're motivating people by just their conversations, but they're not actually going after a dream and, and pursuing a dream and, and or a business and, and putting their all efforts into it, right? Right, right. right. So again, it goes right back to uh, trying to live or trying to inspire through example. And I think I think that's why also I, uh, in regards to I guess a personal brand or anything like that, I decided not to, 
to say anything about that until like I felt that I was doing the things where it would give me the merit to say something. Right. Right. So it's. I think it's. That's why I've like started so late in my thing, late. Quote, yeah, quote, I guess late. for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Quote unquote late <laughs> uh, to start talking about it, but um, but yeah, and, uh, one of my like biggest fears was like. Hey, I don't really have the merit to, to talk about my experiences or anything. Like but the thing is, you can talk about what you have so far, and just that's don't right, pretend. Yeah. Don't pretend to to be to be not. to be what you're not. Yeah, and that's what I came to realize. Like, I could just talk about what I know, and like, I'm not going to touch anything I don't know. Yeah, exactly. <coughs> <coughs> and I, in regards to your personal brand, I mean, how do you see it? I know that uh, here and there we talk about it in the grind. Right. You know, like you give out a little piece of advice here and there. I like throw something into the mix as well. Uh, how do you feel about your personal brand? Where are you trying to take that? If you're trying to take that anywhere at all? I guess I am. Um, it's still something that I, I, I keep thinking about and it keeps evolving. Yeah. Um, because I do see the benefits in, in having a personal brand. Yeah. Um, it's it's not something that you need. Like, right. like you can just be yourself and, and let that be your personal brand. But I do understand that uh, in, in terms of Helping people and reaching out, to, especially this, this this new generation, this young generation, that's on social media, um, having a personal brand, it really helps the way or the uh, it helps you connect with people, and um, it helps you become even more inspirational. So I, I don't know, like I guess my personal brand would just be to be real. Um, I see a lot of people struggling with what they think uh, their identity is and they might say things or do things or be mean to be cool yeah you know when I'm just saying like just just be a good person and like yeah. have you can be very successful and still have and still hold yourself to high values and high yeah. morals and, yeah. and not not say things that are popular just because that will make you be cool Right. But but saying things that that you believe to be true. Yeah, I think one of the things I look up to you a lot is uh, your presence in real life. Uh, less less in on online, but in real life, I think you carry this this aura that everyone can uh, feel very welcomed when they're around you. And uh, just watching you, even on our way to this room to record this podcast. You're talking to like five different people <laughs> on the way here, saying hi, you know, giving high fives, dabbing up people. So, I mean, but that's something I, I really look up to. And acknowledgement is important to me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I don't need to be your best friend to consider you a friend. Right. I feel like um, we're all so different, and it's impossible for two people to completely understand each other. Right. So, just because I don't understand you at all doesn't mean that I can't accept you or acknowledge that you exist, acknowledge that you are a part of my my circle or a part of my community. So I I, I try to just acknowledge people. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't need conversation, we don't need to agree on anything. But I acknowledge you, I acknowledge that you have a place in this world mm-hmm. and I, I think that's important. And where did that thinking come from? Because it's what I want. Because I felt like a lot of people judged me throughout my life. You know, growing up in Trinidad and Tobago, it's not the most. Um, it, it's it's a very religious country. It's a very uh, uh, young country, and it's we're still going through 
you know, we're still toddlers in terms of, you know, our place in the world. Right. And so you find like a lot of people judge very quickly. And I felt very judged for most of my life. I, I felt like if I wasn't accepted. Mm-hmm. And it, I felt like it wasn't fair because I am a product of this country. I am a product of Trinidad and Tobago. Yet my peers aren't accepting me. Um, maybe it might be something as simple as not getting invited to a party or not, or um, not being on the inside of a secret or a joke, you know? And so I value when I'm accepted and acknowledged. Even if, man, we could have completely different values, beyond completely different ends of the spectrum politically. Those, none of those things matter. Just acknowledge me and I will continue my friend. Mm-hmm. And so, because of how much I value that, I feel like it's something that we all want. Though I do understand individual like needs and wants, but I think on some level that acknowledgement is universal. Okay. Yeah, you want to be uh, kind of just noticed, know that someone out there knows who you are and like, that you exist. I get that. I think that's quite universal. Yeah. Um, but you took that one step further with your friend and really changed how the fifth floor <laughs> community was like. Why don't you talk a bit about what you did there? Well, I guess um, building a, a community at OCAD um, is important to me. Um, I feel like because um, at least a decade older than my parents here, I felt like I had a responsibility to. Um, help formulate a community and get people together because uh, a lot of these people they don't know or what they think is really important um, or what they value currently uh, might not be what's actually best I guess when when you're young especially when you're in your early 20s like what you're thinking about is like money right like yeah uh, a lot of people think money is important and the idea of success usually has to do with how much they have in their bank account yeah or their status their their public status but um i've known for a while now that the things that are really important are things like uh meaningful connections Mm -hmm. you know and so just by it that's what i try to create i try to get people to meet other people who that they can really have these meaningful connections with and those are the things and the values that 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 make your life very fulfilling like you have like a, a very high quality of life i like to separate happiness joy and quality of life from each other i don't think those three things are the same thing I think if you're able to recognize that those three things are away from each other, that you can, you have a much more fulfilling life yourself. I mean, please go into what those three things are. Sure. So I think, uh, I guess I can start from, I'll start backwards with this one. So uh, having a fulfillment, uh, a higher quality of life would be something like, oh, this one is a funny one. I guess if you have like a toothache, Right, you can live like pretty okay with it. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's uncomfortable, but you know, it's not it's not going to kill you. Yeah. But then, like, you get to the dentist, you get it resolved, and then, like, all of a sudden, like, like food tastes better. Yeah. Um, it's a much nicer experience. You know, and so your quality of life improves. Um, then there's joy, which is 
having or experiencing pleasure in a moment, you know, and um, you go out for drinks with your friends, you uh, you play your favorite sport, you get um, involved in, in, a, in a hobby that you feel passionate to, uh, towards, but then there's happiness, and happiness, uh, in my understanding, in my current understanding, which, you know, can change, yeah. is that it's when you're when you, your expectations of the world or your reality of the world matches your expectations of the world. Okay. And, yeah, yeah, that, that pretty much um, sums it up. Okay, okay. Yeah, I've touched upon this idea of happiness as well in, in the podcast before. Um, and you've kind of just laid out what happiness is. How do you... And, and you think, or I mean, you believe that uh, happiness is attained by creating these meaningful connections. No, that's or, the thing. So the reason like, I separate them is because no, I actually don't think that happiness is um, is attained from like these meaningful connections. I think uh, having uh, it's kind of strange. It's like <sighs> by having the the highest amount on how a spectrum of all those three categories creates the best life that you can live okay right being the happiest you can be yeah. having the most joy that you can experience and having the highest quality of life of course they create this 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 goal that I'm, I'm i want for myself and that i want for the people that i care about and even for everybody it doesn't i didn't have to like care about you individually like you exist i acknowledge you i so i care about you and it's it's what i want for for all people and um, I don't want I don't want people to to live their life, and at the end of their life, they have all of these regrets. Yeah. Even if they were happy, you could be you yeah. could you could be happy, um, and then but then you lived a, like a, a very bad like a, a like a low quality of life, you know. But you can still be happy. Right. And, like your quality of life shouldn't have to affect your your happiness. And I guess they do a bit. To a certain degree. To a certain degree. Um, But it shouldn't devastate your your happiness. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, regret is... um, I mean, I can't speak firsthand, but I've seen it uh, firsthand in someone else where, you know, they're not near the end of their life, but probably, you know, in the the latter half. Yeah. And they regret an event or something, and and it really shakes them up. it's the kind of stuff that keeps you up at night, and uh, I, w- I would hate to have something like that in my life. For sure. I, I think um, trying to live a life without regrets—it's—it's uh, it's impossible to not have regrets. Um, and I think sometimes letting yourself feel this regret allows you to not let the next one slip away. Yeah. So I wouldn't say like don't have regrets. I would say try to live your life in a way that you have as little regrets as possible. Yeah. Do you ever get stuck in some ruts or anything like that? Of course, man. I guess it's, it's, uh, yeah. it's, you know, it's, it's unavoidable. Um, I guess a better question would be, okay, what do you do when you're in those ruts? Yeah. It's, you just have to push through, man. Um, I, so, uh, my first passion, and I think it would be my, my first passion forever, is jujitsu. Right, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, and so it's something that I I, I love, and uh, it's a it's a it's a martial art or style of martial arts 
and it's it's such a complex and fulfilling martial arts to me and I had injury after injury after injury that I would recover from and get back to it recover from and get back to it and then you know, I'd have like, these long lays between each injury and then my last injury I tore my shoulder and I was getting older so I had to make a choice at that point whether the money that I was saving for school if I was going to invest it in doing a procedure to fix my shoulder to get back to my passion right. or if I'm going to let that passion take a break and pursue something that I think is more beneficial for the next phase of my life and so giving up jujitsu has been very hard for me it's something that I still struggle with um, because a lot has changed you know the, the physical activity kept me very strong and uh, had like you had performance yeah peak performance like you had your abs abs showing all the time yeah and, like you know yeah. and so like like you no know, like moving from that to like having like a, a dad bod or like you know like it's, it's a big change just, yeah. it, it's not it wasn't just not being able to practice a sport that I love but they, a lot of other changes came with it as well you're not um, it didn't uh, the sport itself it really occupies my mind um, it was my stress relief so I would say I'm in a runt right now with this uh, with this idea of trying to find something else that I can feel equally passionate about um, I mean I do I, I feel passionate about industrial design yeah um, because of what it what I um, what I think I can accomplish with it the people that I can help because of it um, but in terms of having something that's selfish and for me there's nothing else that I, that I have right now and so it's some days are bad you know where it's like you feel sorry for yourself um, you don't know if you made the right choice but sometimes you just have to again when it goes back to happiness you have to accept the the reality you have to accept what it is right now because I'm not I'm not young enough to become to be um, at, a, at a high competitive level I have a history of injuries so even if I got back into it I, I expect that another injury is gonna happen you know and so it, it wasn't realistic for me to pursue full-time as a career as a, as a hobby yes I can definitely get back to it as a hobby which I will um, but sometimes it's, it's hard to forgive myself for making this choice but you have to yeah like it's it's the only way to to move on like you can't you can't keep dwelling on 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 the mistakes that you've made or your past um i think it's very important to forgive yourself and that's the only way you can really love yourself again you have to forgive yourself for the mistakes that you make constantly on a, on a daily basis you procrastinate a little bit for an assignment forgive yourself for procrastinating because you can't if you don't forgive yourself you're going to continue procrastinating because you felt like oh it's been so long it's like oh i didn't do it yet um oh i'm just going to push it aside even further but if you forgive yourself it's like okay um i messed up but that's okay 
from right now, I'm going to give it my all. And that's how you keep pushing forward. Another thing that I want to talk about is um, if you don't mind, um, uh, you you have a bit of a, a learning disability. Not I do, I do. Learn, learning disability is that fair to say? Or yeah, I get, yeah, I, yeah. I'm not I'm not sensitive to any uh, correct terminology for it. I mean, I understand that a lot of people would be. Um, I've been diagnosed with dyslexia, mm-hmm. and so it's so challenging, um, and. I guess people, and it's another way that I was when I was talking about earlier, where I don't feel accepted or I didn't feel accepted. It's because um, having these kind of uh, mental challenges, uh, people don't accept it or they don't believe in it. They always say something like, uh, "Oh, just try harder. Um, just you know, like if you practiced a lot, you'll get over it. Like people, you can conquer your dyslexia." But that's not how it works. It's like my brain works the way it works. You know, um, I do have. I, it's a little bit of the traditional idea of dyslexia, where you have um, some sort of visual um, mix-ups, where sometimes you wouldn't even recognize that a word is different. Like a B might look like a P. You know, these things. It's, it's like very traditional. But actually, a big part of my dyslexia would be in uh, short-term recall. So not necessarily being able to remember a word that you would like to use in a sentence, or if they're trying to, if someone is. Uh, speaking about like high volumes of information, um, you might not be able to remember um, on points. The points, like on like the average person will, like like if if someone's calling notes and you're trying to keep up with the notes, yeah. like it's it's really impossible for me to keep up with, with note taking. Yeah, you know, and that's just and that's just the way it is. Yeah. There's nothing that I can I can do about it. I've been practicing this thing my whole life because we've had because every class that you're in, you basically have to take notes. Yeah. So there's nothing extra that I can do at this point. Um, I've already gotten to my my current. Or like, let me let me put it this way: most people can get really really good at most things. However, it will take a lifetime. So you know the idea of this conversation that comes up again with working on your strengths versus working on your weaknesses. Yeah. That's a very personal decision. Yeah. To work on your weaknesses, though, takes a lifetime. Yeah. While working on your strengths, you can get really good, really fast. Totally agree. And so, it's up to you to decide whether you want to work on your your weaknesses and your strengths. Um, but that's that's like what it is for my dyslexia. I might be able to get a lot better at at doing this average task, but it will, it's going to take me my lifetime. So instead of trying to um, instead of spending time with trying to constantly like get better, I rather focus on the skills that I have already that I'm that I'm good at, like get better at those skills, and then find tools or systems that can assist me with, um, or, or or helping me with things that that are on my weaknesses. You know, like um, so academic writing has always been difficult for me. Um, but that's what I have my friends for. That's what I have my network for. So what I usually do is I write it as best as I can, and then my friends review, and then they'll help me rewrite it in a way that's academic. You know, I think that's a really good, like, it's a very logical way to think about your strengths and weaknesses and to go about conquering them. You could, you could.
could say. I think that's a. I think I do believe that like that's the way to go. Yeah, I mean, like when when we have when you see somebody who's who's uh, shorter than average. Yeah, d- like, like any disability, any. Yeah, like we weakness. don't we don't but the things yeah. these, because these things are physical. <coughs> We don't we don't judge them. We don't say, oh, you know what? If they tried harder, they'll they be, be they'll, they'll be taller. You know, like yeah, exactly. It'll be an NBA player. <laughs> I mean, we have a few exceptions, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, to like uh, short NBA players, you know, but they still have to work in teams because if you can't have a a, sing, a full team of like five foot, like 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 basketballers against a, a, an opposing team that that guys are like seven feet, it's just not gonna work. Yeah. Um, realistically, um, but when we see somebody with a physical disability, people accept it, and they say, "Oh, you know, like it's okay for those people to have tools to accomplish their goals." Yeah. But when things are mental, like if it's uh, dyslexia or ADHD, um, they say, "Oh, that's fake. That's not real," because like, people can't see it; they, they haven't experienced it themselves. So if it's like the world needs more empathy, man. It will need more empathy. On the flip side, I think also, um, I think the world needs a bit more positivity in those sense too. For those who, who do have disabilities of any kind, I think it would be absolutely detrimental to to, to beat yourself up because you have those That's things. such a good point. Right? That's, that's such a good point. I think that's something that's also not talked about is that like, it's not only other people beating you up, like like you yourself, like you're you're your biggest enemy out of all of these people. You know, Russell, that's actually something that kept me out of university for a long time because I didn't believe in myself. I didn't believe it was something that I could do. I did not. So back at home, we we have uh, almost free education. None of the fields was anything that I felt passionate about. So that was another reason that I chose not to go back to school. But I mean, most of my peers they went to school immediately, right? So, uh, but I, I decided to to you know go into the working force, and that was, uh, the biggest part of that decision was because of my dyslexia, because I felt like wow I'm really struggling at school, and I the thing is I felt I felt like an intellect. I felt like it was unfair that I'm well studied. I, I study a lot, I read a lot, I, um, I try so hard, but then my grades weren't matching um, the effort that I was putting in. Right. And so that really took a toll on myself. And I was like, you know what, I'm done high school. Um, I, did, I, I did post high school, something called um, A-levels. And I was like, you know what, I'm done. I'm done, I'm just gonna, get to the working world, I'm going to become an entrepreneur and I'm just going to kill it, you know? And I've tried, I've tried a few businesses. <laughs> um, some did really well for a little period of time, but then things didn't work out. Um, and then I had like s- such a great opportunity working with uh, Caribbean Airlines as a flight attendant, and that really changed my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, being able to to see the way that that people live their lives internationally, um, meeting people from all over the world, um, it really opens your eyes. Even just like like coming to the major cities, coming to Toronto, coming to New York City, uh, being in London, England, uh, seeing the way that people 
presented themselves and what they were doing and, and the, the, the small coffee shops that existed, it really opened your eyes to um, not accepting the life that you have right now and, and pushing for for what you really want, like for your goals. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what's interesting is I think like I have a couple of friends or I know a couple of people who uh, who didn't go to post-secondary either, uh, not for the same reasons, maybe some for the same reasons, but they ended up going to the workforce right away and had like did a bunch of jobs here and there, like yourself. Um, I feel like they had like much richer experiences, <laughs> you know, and now they're all going back to school and things like that, right? But like, like in this time period where I've had three years of uh, post-secondary education and they're all like doing all these odd jobs here and there, great jobs, bad jobs, whatever kind of jobs. Yeah. It's just like such a richer experience than uh, the vast majority of us who go it to is, high school straight to post-secondary. Because I feel like, uh, like not not to not to shit on the job, right? Because like there's a lot of people who become a flight attendant is their passion. Yeah. Like you know, like so I understand for them that's what that is. Yeah. But for me, I felt dead. I felt dead inside. Like there's a lot of parts of the job that I felt a lot of value about. Like improving the experiences for passengers is where I felt the most value. But I didn't get to use any creativity. Mm-hmm. I didn't get to. Um, I didn't get to express myself the way that I wanted to. I had to express myself in the way that was in line with the brand of the airline. Right. And you know, like, like you know, I I tend to be silly, goofy when it comes to like interacting with people. And so I, I wouldn't get to do these things, you know, or like you'll have to like wait till like someone's not looking like like you're the in charge. Yeah. You're like not there and then you're like, you know, you talk to somebody kinda cool and like but you always have to like keep thinking about how you are and like acting in a way that, that isn't true to yourself. Yeah. And so that wasn't for me. And I think having that super uncomfortable experience for such a long time really pushes me now to become successful mm-hmm. and um, so I'm grateful for being able to not go to uh, university like right away from high school because I needed to experience what this discomfort was like and because I've had all of this discomfort in my past I'm very comfortable with being uncomfortable I'm very comfortable with being Do you think that gives you an edge? Oh yeah definitely definitely I definitely think so because I think um, it lets me pursue this goal that I think the circumstances that I have stops so many other people from from um, pursuing it. Mm-hmm. And I don't hear you complain a lot about your circumstances. No. <laughs> the moments, eh? The moments when I'm like, ah, oh, man, because like not being able to, to afford school is always like a, a monkey on your back. It's always like. Uh, something that's kind of like you know what maybe you should give up maybe you should give up um, but you have to fight that you have to like fight that and, and be grateful for what you have be grateful for the friends that you have like you know like like my friends because they know my financial situation they, they often get me something to eat they often um, uh, take care of me you know and so like what do I have to really complain about like I chose to put myself in this this uncomfortable situation yeah. like I gave up my my job that had me uh, with a good salary and um, and I had my own apartment I had my own things I had my own car like I had I had, I had yeah exactly like I, I had a life that a lot of people would would love to have right I know so I gave up these comforts because I was 
emotionally unfulfilled so i'm so much happier in this struggle than i ever was in my previous comfort and i guess what would you say to to some people who are are not comfortable in the struggle very uncomfortable in the struggle you, is there anything you would say to them um to be realistic with what they want um maybe what they're going after right now isn't what they want um each there's no there's no road there's no like correct road to follow as an individual like you have to like your road is your road your journey is your journey um you know i have a friend who who's at ocad and right now and, and he's really struggling with knowing what he what he wants to do like he knows what he wants to do he really knows what he wants to do and i i, I believe he knows what he wants to do but he doesn't know what journey to take to get there yeah you know yeah. he's really struggling with which route to take and he's and he's is he like pondering about it or is he like taking yeah, stabs at it he's he's just pondering like he okay. he doesn't know like he yeah. really doesn't know and so i think he allows his like he's and like he's like what you were saying like he's very uncomfortable you know and so it it, it kind of shows that that maybe this this journey isn't for him that he can't deal with his discomfort of I mean I'm I'm not sure right like I at the end of the day it's, it's up to him for him to decide like yeah. what what he wants to take yeah. I I I asked whether he was lingering or pondering or uh, or taking a stab at I think that's I think in my opinion I think that's where the, the key lies is like he'll know whether he wants to continue on the journey if he took a stab at it and thought about it less yeah yeah, like I think a part of this entire initiative is to get people around me who I know want to do the things like outside of their program or want to go one way or another way. Like I want them to continue doing those things and explore those further, right? Um, and I think the key is not to think about it, and it's just more to like take a stab at it and see what happens. I think that's really like where you can learn the most. Yeah. Well, we we both watched this this video with uh, <coughs> this guy from uh, what, what was that that TV show he used to host that was really popular? Was it like Odd Jobs or something like that? Uh, uh, Mike Rowe. Yeah. Mike Rowe. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And dirty like, jobs. Yes, dirty jobs. Dirty jobs. And so, like, he talked about about you know the the great this this American experiment where like, uh, like they have like in America is it, it's really rough right now because they don't get the chance to experiment. They have to know what they want to do yeah. um, from this from a very young age yeah. uh, because of the financial burden. Yeah. So for a bit of context, the the video we're referring to is a video that Mike Rowe talks about how I think uh, U.S. students collect is it like twenty five thousand twenty two hundred fifty thousand? I don't know of debt. Like, like a shitload of debt. When they leave university and are promised this idea of getting a job, a career after that, when that's not realistic anymore. Um, for some, if you want to be a doctor, I mean, there's there's no other other way. Of course, way, of course, there's some right? careers that you definitely just some ways need you just to need to right. Um, but I think what he's referring to is the jobs that are that are either oversaturated 
or the ones that don't actually need degrees, yeah. um, things like that. So that's just a bit of context on the video. Like even in my field, I don't think I need to go to university. I think um, if I wanted to, as an industrial designer, um, I can just talk to industrial design firms um, one at a time, like just keep like show up. Just keep showing up until one of them decided that hey like this there's this young man who has like a burning passion to become an initial designer yes we'll take him under an internship mm-hmm. um and i can do it for free just work for free just work for these people for free and i mean that's like some people say you know don't work for free yeah i was about um, to ask about that i was like that's like, a very uh yeah kind so, of almost controversial topic it is it have. is it is it actually is a controversial topic but i actually okay so let's Let's change what free means then. Yeah. So people, when people say don't work for free, they mean like they, they keep they always talk about money. Yeah. Right. But and I think that's where that's where the, the difference is. That's what I don't think about it like that. Yes. Because I'm still not working for free. Yeah. I'm working for experience. I'm working for connections. I'm working for um, to develop my my skills. And so I'm I'm technically not working for free because I'm still gaining something from it. I'm gaining something from it. And so it's a win for this other place because if I think about my cost, what it's going to take for my entire time at university, right? And um, the average time at university is between four to five years in in um, Ontario, yeah. versus. And so that that works out. Uh, so international students we pay twenty two thousand a year for OCAD for OCAD university, right? Now, imagine I spend the same time at a prestigious industrial design firm and I work for that same amount of time for them free I would have gotten almost like an undergrad like a bachelor's of experience except I would not have paid a dime right versus I'm paying 22,000 a year here to learn the same things to learn the same things that may even be outdated in my opinion some programs yeah <coughs> yeah that's uh that's a thing that i've talked to a couple of students about um just like this idea of working for free i think in some in- instances it makes sense not to like if it's like a graphic design job and they're like hey do this for free like it's it's experience but it's like correct i, I can do a correct. logo too that's correct you, you have to know you have to know you have to know whether it's an actually an equitable exchange. Yes, yes, that's such a perfect way to put it. Yeah. Um, but I, yeah, I, I did. I did a, a short internship for free as well. I think like did I learn like a fuckload of it? Maybe not. But I think I really like reinforced the relationships I had with the people there. I got a bit of experience. I got to touch my hands in a few things. So. Yeah. I think that was an equitable exchange. It's not like it really dug into my time. Like, what else would I've been doing? Correct, correct. So you have it's up to you to decide yeah. whether that that time that yeah. you are giving away, since you're not being paid in, in, in cash money, if that return on that investment is worth it as an individual. Yeah. And then there are ways that you can make it even more worth it, like in your future, right? Because you have these connections now. Exactly. So it might not be. It might not. You might not see it right now. Exactly. But. Um, you have to like align it with your with your future goals. Yeah. So I always say, okay, so um, for maybe four years now, could be less actually. Um, I've changed the way that I think about helping people. Mm-hmm. Right. 
I used to be a little stingy with my time, a little stingy yeah. with, with helping people. But I've recently decided that um, it doesn't matter the relationship I have with anyone. If they ask me for help, yeah. no matter how hard it is to provide that help to that person, I will do it if helping that person does not stop me from accomplishing my goals. Yeah, I, I pretty much have adopted something similar. I mean, not many people ask me for help all the time, but when they do, I, I do my absolute best to help them in whatever way I can. Um, unless it does stop me from doing something I need to do urgently yeah. or something like that. And so that, that goes to like um, a big part of the way that I live my life is where I put my goals as my checklist for whether I'm making the right decision in this moment or not. It's like anything, anything that I have to do. It's like, oh, is this decision going to stop me from accomplishing my main goal? Yes, no, no can't do it, I'm sorry. Yes, okay. You know, it's yeah. like, oh, maybe I said that in the wrong way, but I use my goals to basically assist with my life decisions. Yeah. And I guess bringing that back, bringing what we just said back to the whole internship thing, it's, it's like how we look at these equitable exchanges, right? It's like, I may not have learned that much in this internship, I may not have done that much, or whatever, but I don't know, three, four, five, ten years down the line, I could call this person, hey, XYZ, could you, you know, hook me up with this person? Can you get me a meeting with this person? Yeah. Right? And I think those are some critical moments because I've heard so many stories of people just I've heard this this one lady, um, I think she works in real estate now, but she switched her career like four or five times. But never had a moment where uh, she was looking for work for too long. Because she always just reached out into her network and was like, hey, does anyone know anyone doing something in this sector or in this or whatever, whatever. Correct. And, you know, the jobs come. Someone knows someone and the opportunities come along. So yeah, I think man. like that's just part of building that network. And I'm in university. I can eat shit for a couple more years uh, before I go into the real world and where my time may be a bit more expensive. Right. Right. I understand. You know, and, and that's the thing, you have to you have to understand your own personal supply and demand brand. It's like you have to when you're like trying to figure out um, how much to I guess charge somebody for your time, it's it's a mix between the supply and demand of the industry and your own personal supply and demand. You know, if if the if if the field that you're in is saturated, yeah, then there's not much you can do about that. Right. Other than step up. Yeah. You have to offer someone something that no one else is offering. You either have to be like super good at what you do. Yeah. Or you gotta do it for free. Right. And then so then there's if you're if your feel is saturated, and then there's if you are saturated. So if you are not that saturated, like you're not really getting any jobs. Yeah. Then maybe again free might be the way to go. Right. Until until your time is occupied so much with these free jobs that you can then say you know what it's time that i start um yeah. charging or you become such an integral part of their team that they have no choice but to pay you yeah at that point yeah because they recognize your worth yeah they recognize not your worth but they recognize how much 
you can get <laughs> you can provide them. Yeah. <coughs> I think and I think that entire concept is like goes over a lot of people's heads at OCAD. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And I just had this conversation with one of my friends yeah. uh, a few weeks ago. Right. And I, I had to redefine to him what I felt free was. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So I really want to push. This is one of the things I really want to push and that I've experienced firsthand and I think Kyle has yeah, too. Yeah, sure. like, like be aware of the equitable exchanges that you have with an internship or a job or whatever. You may not get paid, but I think some of the opportunities and experiences and relationships that you get from these experiences are unbelievably useful in the future and part of enriching your life. Yeah, definitely. I definitely believe that. Anything that Anything that uh, you want the, the the people of OCAD to hear? I don't know how many people. <laughs> I don't know how many people from OCAD actually listen to this. I know a couple of my classmates do. Well, yeah, this is just and like thank you so much for, for doing that. <laughs> I, I really appreciate you guys uh, listening and and coming up to me and saying that, that you enjoyed the podcast and whatnot. Um, but if there's something that you want to say to probably people who are listening that are my age, around 20 years old. Just be a good person. Honestly, just 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 try to understand what that means. Like, just be a good person. Like, do like give everything to others. Understand what's really important in life. You know, uh, give without expecting a single thing in return. Because when you do that, you may not be the one to benefit from it, but it all comes back in a circle. Yeah. You know, like. Like you, you notice the people that are that are troubled in life. They are the ones that didn't experience love. You know, you find the people that fa- that face the most discrimination. Those are the ones that tend to discriminate. Mm-hmm. The people that 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 receive the most hate. They are the ones that are the most hateful. Mm-hmm. So, give love, and the more love you give, is the more love you'll get back. Anything that you give out is what you'll get back. I think. Yeah, uh, but like you don't think about it. Like, oh, if I if I give this to this person, that person is going to give to me. No, that's not how it works. That's not the that's, re- that's, that's not, not, not giving without expectation anymore. No, that's not the reality of it. It's you give in your skill set, like what you're good at giving, and then that person is going to give to uh, people who are in need of their skill set, what they are good at giving. You know, and then it just it, 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 the whole world benefits. Because what's good for what's good for everyone is good for you. You know, like uh, like oh my gosh. So I'm gonna get a little political here. No, go ahead. All right. So there's a a bit of you know fear when it comes to like uh, I mean American politics is the most is the one that's mostly on on the media, right? You don't hear that as much. Uh, Canadian politics you don't hear about that yeah. much in politics in the rest of the world as much. So. Um, I like to use this the example of um, you know people want to keep uh, Mexicans out of out of America right now, right? Um, you know they have their fears about these situations. You know what's the best way uh, how to keep Mexicans out of America by helping Mexico. If you help Mexico, if the world or people helped Mexico, then people will feel safe in their country, they'll feel comfortable there. And so they won't have that, that not that it's a bad thing, because I, I love the, the mix of people in a, yeah. in a single country. But 
I think, in my opinion, that's the best way to, to like, if for their wants, quote unquote, yeah. if they helped Mexico develop, then they wouldn't have that desire for them to leave the country in the first place. And so it goes again to, to, to the way that helping others helps yourself. Yeah, unfortunately on that scale, it's a, a little more complicated. Yeah, oh, oh definitely, definitely, <laughs> definitely, definitely. If it only were so simple. No, 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 no. It, it, it's not. It's very, very but complex. But I definitely get the concept. It was just, it was just like, a, it's like yeah, it's a political concept yeah. that I have. Yeah. yeah. Very controversial idea as well. Please uh-huh. don't hate me. Uh-huh. I, I ch- will we'll try to keep it less political on this podca- podcast, but um, uh, I think for that example, I think that was, that was well said. Um, but this idea of like, I don't know if you believe in karma or anything like that, or I, I'm not like really big on karma or anything like that. Yeah, I, I, I do believe that like what you give out is what you're going to receive. Um, I guess, I guess that's karma, but... Not really like yeah, yeah. I'm not like I'm not like yeah, yeah. I'm I'm more like uh, realistic with the way that uh, the world works. Yeah, yeah. I would say so too. And it just it just it just uh it just it's just logical. Yeah, it's just it makes sense. Logical. It makes sense to, to to give out to others. Yeah, and you find so much fulfillment in yourself. It goes back to the things that that make you happy. Like this is really good book that I'd recommend everybody read. Or, or even if it's not to read, just look at the title, man. It's like the, the, the top regrets of the dying. Mm-hmm. I think it's the top five regrets of the dying, I believe is the name of the book. Um, where this uh, person interviewed people on their deathbed, asking them about like, what are the things that they regret? And so it was, it was things like um, working too hard, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, not living a life that's honest to yourself. Not spending enough time with the people that they love. So again, check yourself, check and see what's really important in this life, you know? Yeah, I think that that uh, putting your own life and what you think it under a microscope is is quite important. I think that's not something that yeah, like, forget, is a... Forget the media, forget yeah. what, what people tell you yeah. is, is success. Like really look into yourself and decide for yourself what success means for you. Uh-huh. And I don't think that's talked about enough either. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, we're, we're given these painted pictures of, of what success looks like for for everyone, but that's not realistic, I think. I think it's really down to what you really want. And I've had this conversation with a multiple of people where they paint the picture. I, I would ask, like, what does success look like to you? Like, what, what are your dreams? And they would paint their picture, and then I would say, oh, yeah, this is my picture. I think it's... It's, it's different. It's, it's all different. Right. Like everyone's picture of success is different. Everyone's right. thinking about different things. So. Uh, I would definitely put what you think under a microscope. Yeah, for sure. And keep and keep analyzing that. You know, don't let it be concrete. Like, yeah. Always, yeah. Reevaluate your goals. Always reevaluate uh, even your own personality. Even yeah. like what you want, who you are. Yeah. What you want or who you want to be. If you want to be uh, a kinder person. Uh, in moments where you see yourself not being that kind, uh, reevaluate and, and you know you can just like be like uh, I fucked up. Um, let me let me try better next time. Mm-hmm. Like you can make that choice to be a better person. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, do you have any final thoughts? Uh, no, man, this was great. <laughs> yeah. Okay. How about you tell uh, everyone what you're working on and what you're excited about in your life? Well. I guess that goes right back to why I picked um, 
I didn't, I didn't even talk about why I picked industrial design really. Yeah. Um, I think it's it's industrial design. It's about building or, or making pr- products, improving products, services, and systems. Basically, we are problem solvers, and I wanted to to have the the training to become the best problem solver as I can because. I want to help as many people as I can before I die. I want to make the biggest impact on this planet I can. And um, I think for me, as a as a creative, I can do that through multiple avenues, which is the way that industrial design works. It's like you don't have this single... We're not here to design furniture. We're not here to design a single product. Like you can specialize if you want to, but that's not what the, what the feel is about. And I think that by being a problem solver, I can really touch, I can evaluate the world as it is and see where the needs are and and help as many people as I can. I think the place that I have the most passion for is uh, fighting poverty in first world nations. That's where I have the most empathy for currently. a noble pursuit. Thank you. It's like um, we have people like like one of my biggest role models, Bill Gates. He he's probably saved more lives on this planet than any other person. Like, and a lot of people don't know that. It's because he doesn't make he doesn't put his efforts into first world countries. Like he's put he pumps millions of dollars into into the world's poorest countries where people have to walk six hours every day just to get water that isn't even clean right and that, that's that's one of his ambitions you know but what i want to do is help um people beat poverty in first world countries mm-hmm. you know by by influencing systems or creating systems that will really can help people out of poverty mm-hmm. you know especially in countries like that they have the opportunities because um i mean i i didn't grow up like like poor but a lot of my friends were you know and so, um, I mean, we, we had our own struggles. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a developing country, Trinidad and yeah. Tobago. I mean, so at the end of the day, we all kind of struggled together, you know? Um, but, but definitely I had some friends who, and I interacted with a lot of people who come from, uh, who didn't have the opportunities that I had, um, especially educational-wise. And so I really want to make a difference in, in countries that are, that, have a significant amount of uh, like economy, but they still have people that are suffering. So if you want to follow Kyle and what he's up to, I'm going to put a link to his Instagram. Uh, please reach out to him. He's uh, always open to talk uh, about anything. Yeah, for um, sure. So uh, please do that if uh, well, if you want to do that. <laughs> um, and yeah, I guess I'll see you guys on the next one. <laughs>